0: welcome back to the World Podcast, uh, presented and by reach. Swiss Cultures, featured reach. on eurohoops.net, YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. We back again, one and only Stanford Gentlemen. Co founder of Swish Cultures. I'm gonna start calling you the CEO though, because I wanna feel like I'm talking to the boss, man. I'm, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I would just, just say CEO. You know what I'm saying? But nah. So we back one more time. 11 year overseas vet, Anthony Goods What's up with you? Man, man, I'm
1: i uh, I'm chilling, man. I'm over here in Europe, man. I ain't been able to cut my hair in like the last week, bro. Like I, I had to, I had to, I had to cut my own joint, man. I felt like I was back hooping
0: again, man. Man, I, I knew, I knew you was over there, and I got back to the states. I went and got my little taper. I look like I'm Benjamin Button over here. I'm making a comeback. You look down, you know what I'm saying? I'm looking all right, man. I'm looking real good, man. So, I've been waiting for this. I wanted to do the episode like a couple of days ago when it was real fresh, so. I, got, hey, I hey, have, hey, I have my on. brush. I have my brush on hand, you know what I'm saying? Hey, but time this out, thing. man. I
1: gotta I gotta give a shout out to my barber out in Miami, man. I uh you know, recently I turned my IG to like pretty much just like a sports page, but uh, somebody slid in my DMs last night, you know what I mean? So you <laughs> know, I think my profile pic must be hidden, or or maybe the podcast videos, you know, with the crispy edge up. So I gotta shout out to my barber, man. I'm, Even
0: tell, I'm me gonna right. tell you where the fountain of youth is. Guess who cut my hair? Who? It's a white lady with ass. She got a a black stepdaddy, and she fired with it. She she, she all right with it, man. But listen, we got to get to this guest, man. We got a a very, 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 very special guest here. We got first-round pick in 2013, 18th overall, to the Atlanta Hawks, and then to the Dallas Mavericks, Uh, all-Euroleague first team in 2022, all-Euroleague second team in 2021. One of a few people, I don't know exactly how many, 50, 40, 90 in Euro League, Euro League finals top score. I can't keep going on and on because we're going to be here all day if we do. We got the one and only Shane Larkin with the good hair over there, man. What's up with you?
2: It's good, good, dog. (laughs)
0: Man, we appreciate you joining us, man. We definitely appreciate you joining us. But look, man, we're going to jump right into it. Look, you've been in Ephesus for what? It's been four? Four years now? Four years in Ephesus. So the first question is, y'all gone back-to-back, EuroLeague
2: champions. When you left Boston and came to Ephesus, is this what you had in mind? Um, I mean, to be honest, no, I didn't didn't know exactly what uh, we were going to be able to turn into. I know um, when I finished that season in Boston, uh, I wanted to go back to Boston. Um, I separated my shoulder at the end of that season, but... um, you know, I was thinking that there was a chance, an opportunity for me to go back there, but obviously it didn't work out. Uh, and then there were some other opportunities around the league, but, you know, nothing that was, you know, minutes guaranteed. So um, then I started talking to teams overseas. I had already been overseas one time, and then Ephus talked to me about, um, you know, the guys they were bringing in, what they thought they had. And, um, you know, I saw an opportunity. I uh, didn't know there was nine new players the first season. None of us had been here before, so nine new foreigners. And, you um, you know I saw talent because I played against a lot of these guys and you know just wanted to see what we could turn it into I never you know at that moment would have you know thought we would be sitting here back-to-back champs but um I thought we had a chance to be pretty good so it obviously turned out uh pretty perfect yeah i would be thinking like man
1: I mean even just looking around Euro League, it seems like the teams that are able to like kind of keep that core together yeah. usually tend to have a the most success like year to year and even the fact that y'all went back to back and the last team that went back to back was Olympiacos. And, you know, they had, they made six roster changes in between their two seasons, their two championships and y'all only made three. You know what I mean? Like how, how important do you think, or
2: what advantages do you think y'all had just keeping that core together? Um, I mean, y'all know your, uh, experience is everything over here. Uh, you know, you have a lot of teams that are young, talented teams, but when it comes down to winning, you know, those big games or those little moments or, like, taking fouls and transition, just, like, small things that you got to do uh, to keep teams at bay. Uh, I think the experience that we've been able to have and, and hold over over the last four years has definitely allowed us uh, to get to this moment. Um, obviously, we took a while in the first year to kind of find that, that chemistry. Um, but towards the second half of that first season, we started, you know, training in the right direction. Obviously, lost in the championship the first year. Came back the second year was in first place by by a lot Uh, we were cracking everybody and then COVID happened so I think being able to keep that group together nobody making jumps to different teams trying to take money or going to the league or stuff like that uh, allowed us to be able to come back for these last two years and you know kind of solidify everything that we have been working from uh for for the jump
0: is that is that something y'all talked about like as a group not making that jump to the league mean like we could do something special or that just kind of happened organically
2: uh, in a sense, um, you know, I had a couple opportunities. Boss has had some opportunities, but um, we felt like we had a, an opportunity to be, do something special here. Um, and even guys on the team have had opportunities to go to different teams, maybe for more money or a bigger role and stuff like that. But, you know, we felt like after losing in the championship that first year, if we were able to stick together and kind of grow and kind of use that, that momentum to, t- to carry us back to the championship and know what it took the second time we got there to win, Um, I think that's definitely helped us, you know, get to the point where we are now. And, you know, it takes a lot of sacrifice from guys and, you know, guys who probably have more ability than what's shown um, based on the role that they have here. You know, it's it's everybody buying in and and buying into the system that has allowed us to, you know, kind of become this family. And, you know, it's carried us to to where we are now.
0: That Baskonia experience, how big. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. No,
1: you got it. You got it. Yeah. Go back to Baskonia.
0: That Basconia experience, you talked about experience. How, uh, how important was the experience there for you to, you know, go back to Boston and then do what you're doing now in Ephesus?
2: Um, I think Basconia was, was huge for me at the time. Um, you know, my first three years as a pro were very unstable years. Um, you know, I got drafted, like you said, 2013. A week after the draft, I broke my ankle. Um, so I missed half my rookie season. I didn't get to play in summer league preseason, none of that. And we were on, I was on a win now team with like Dirk, Sean Marion, Jose Calderon, Monte Ellis, Vince Carter. So they were in like win now mode. So not being able to do summer league, not being able to do preseason and then kind of just be thrown into the fire as a a first round pick after missing, you know, five months into an NBA game. You know, I never was really able to find my feet. Um, And then that summer I was in Dallas all summer, got traded to the Knicks. And then, you know, super excited going to play in the Garden, you know, feeling like you about to, you know, do something. And then, you know, they make the trades or make the changes that they made in management, brought in Phil Jackson, try to implement the triangle, which if you know anything about the triangle, who I am as a player, it might be the worst system for me to try to play in. (laughs) Uh, So that actually actually didn't work at all. Uh, I wish it would have. I love playing up there, but obviously it didn't work. And then uh, that season was what it was. They didn't pick up my team option, signed as a free agent in Brooklyn. Started in Brooklyn. This was after, you know, they wanted to win that championship within five years with the new owner. So that year they brought in a new coach, Lana Hollins. We had 10 new guys on the roster. And then after 20 games, coach got fired. After 25 games, GM got fired. So we were out there for 57 games playing pickup and just... You know, whoever caught it was trying to go one-on-one, and that's just, that's what it just is what it was. <laughs> so everybody was just trying to go for their next contract that year, and I'm a I'm a team guy. i always been a team guy, team player, and I was young at the time, so I didn't really understand, like, I didn't have the mentality that you need to, you know, be that go-get-it-and-don't-worry-about-nobody-else kind of mindset that you need to be in that situation. Um, So, you know, over those first three years, my my love for basketball had kind of been just kept getting stabbed in all different directions, and it just started hurting, like, you know, I didn't really understand what I needed to do because I felt like I was playing well enough, but just wasn't getting the opportunities that I thought I wanted or deserved. Uh, so, you know, the love for basketball had kind of faded away at that moment. Not completely, but just that genuine passion that you had, had taken a lot of jabs. And then going to Baskonia, um, small city, very, very small city, um, not much to do in the city, but basketball. So when I got there, it was all basketball, basketball, basketball. And you know, in Europe, a lot of coaches like to have two practices a day. And in, in some certain cities, you know, you complain about that. But in Basconia, I was I wanted two practices a day because there was absolutely nothing else to do. So I think going there kind of rejuvenated me and made me fall back in love with basketball and find my passion again. And, and I think that's why, you know, that year was so important for me and my growth as a player, as a man, and in a lot of different areas. Yo, if you could go back, let's say –
1: and give yourself advice back in uh, in your NBA years when you were, you know, you're going through those struggles. Like, what what would you – what advice would you give yourself and what would you
2: have done different? Because I feel like there's a lot of young players that's going through that same yeah. thing. Um, yeah, I would say just be yourself. Um, you know, obviously I was a first-round pick, and I, I came out of college as a scoring guard, scoring guy who can get to the basket, create shots being aggressive, putting pressure on defense. And then I got to the league and I was like, oh, I need to be a true point guard. I need to, you know, get my teammates involved, think about everybody, everybody else first. But, you know, at the end of the day, I got drafted for a reason. I got drafted to do what I did. And I think I kind of lost sight of that. And I figured that, you know, in the league now, you know, I'm playing with Dirk Nowinski and these guys. I'm playing with Melo. I'm playing with these guys. I'm like, all right, well, you know, I need to make sure they get the ball. I need to make sure they get shots. I need to make sure they happy because if they're not happy, then I ain't no way they're going to want me on the court. And in rea- reality, you know, I need I, I got drafted to help them. So I got drafted to be myself and help them be in a better position as opposed to, you know, me looking out for them first. And I think my mindset would have been different now if I could go back and tell myself, just be you, be aggressive, make the mistakes. And uh, if you go out there, be aggressive, play with no regrets, and then, you know, whatever happens, happens, then I'll be able to live with that better. But that mindset I had at that time was more so, you know, take care of everybody else, make sure they're straight, make sure they're getting their shots. And, you know, you take the back seat as opposed to just going out there and being who I who I truly was.
0: Man, what about what about the what advice would you give to people that don't need to be themselves? Because not everybody needs to be themselves. <laughs> so so True. some some got to change, man. <laughs> some cats got to be that. different.
2: <laughs> True that. Um, yeah, that's a that's a tough one because not being yourself is difficult, dog. But I think once you, I think the biggest thing is just to find your. Find your your lane. Find what works for you. Find what works for people and what they they think you're good at, and um, just kind of stay in that lane. You know, a lot of guys nowadays are making so much money being three and D guys, just playing defense, not dribbling, not trying to pass the ball, not doing all that extra stuff, just locking up and then run to that corner and shooting that three, and they signing eighty million dollar contracts now. So I just think, you know, just grind, work and just try to find that opportunity. Basketball is all about opportunity at the end of the day. So just trying to find that perfect opportunity where you're appreciated and what you do best. And um, once you figure out what that, that what that is, you know, just trying to run with that as far as you can.
0: How, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's definitely real. You need to, I, I only ask that because it's like there's a big movement of people like be yourself, be yourself. And it's like, for real, some people, you got, you got to grow up. Everybody got to grow up, right? Like you said, right. you know what I'm saying? Like even when you was coming out and, you know, you probably had a different idea of what the game would look like. So I guess one of the most challenging parts for most athletes, especially basketball players going in between overseas and NBA, is like finding your role because everybody thinks they're alpha, right? And we had Elijah right. on last week, and he talked about that. Right. So finding your role amongst other alphas might be the hardest thing to do in sports. No, that's facts.
2: That's facts because – like I think I don't know if I saw Elijah said, but most people in high school, college, you the best guy on your team. Right. Like, you gonna be the best guy on your team, so like that's what you know, that's what you feel like you you're always gonna be. But then reality set in, and you're like, oh, uh, <laughs> oh I'm, I'm with this guy now. So you can't, right. you can't, you can't always have that alpha mentality. But it's tough because it's a very, very fine line of like not losing line. yourself being who you truly are but like understanding like all right i am me i used to shoot these wild step back threes, (laughs) turn the ball over four five times a game stay in the game for 35 minutes now you know it's it's you there but then there's a lot of guys over there that that can do that as well so if you know that just ain't been working out for you then you probably need to look at some tape and understand that i just might not be exactly what i'm i'm here to do and then kind of readjust yourself look in the mirror and say all right yeah. Let me kind of recalibrate and try to get back to right. what's going to work for the team.
0: Man, it's not Because
2: yeah, you,
1: you ain't going to – I mean, I think the, the main thing in any situation in Hoop, man, is just finding a way to get on the court. You know right. what I mean? And that's why, right. like, I'm sure we all been on teams where cats just keep bumping heads with the coach. And then it's just like, right. bruh, like, as stubborn as he is, right. everything he could be saying could be BS. Like – Sometimes you just got to, you know, bite the bullet so you can stay on the court and then figure things out from there, but you know, For I sure. think a lot of cats, especially coming overseas where there's a cultural difference in mentalities and stuff like that. Right. They they have a problem tucking their ego, you know what I right. mean, yeah. and all this and it ends up
0: hurting them. Cuz I feel and like That's e-
2: fact as well over here. Like you said, culturally it, it's a big thing. Egos and pride are play much more into just physical ability over here than, than it does over there, so for sure.
0: As, as I would say, especially someone in your situation, but, you know, most guys, when you come overseas, like everybody want to be in the NBA, so you already biting bullet, tucking your ego, just coming overseas right. in, in our mind, right? So it was like, you get right. here, and it's like, finding that role, everybody can sit here and, I guess... Letting go of the idea of being like, oh well, I could do that if y'all let me and build a team around me. You know what I'm saying? Like, right? Like, you know what right. I'm like shit. Right. Let me be that guy instead of just letting. Right. Go. So it, it is a fine line. It's hard to do. So, I mean, was that was that a challenge for you when you left? Uh, when you came over here the first time to basketball? You?
2: Um, not necessarily because I spoke to the coach before before I came over because uh, I was very indifferent about it. You know, I wanted the opportunity to play and be that guy I was in college because um, I felt like I hadn't done that in my three years in the league. But, you know, I also, because you know they also say if you once you leave it's hard to get back. They Once you leave it's hard to get back. And it's true. Uh, so I wanted to, to make sure that the situation that I was going to uh, was going to be able to fit my style and he made me feel real comfortable before I signed. He, he told me that he saw he watched me in college he wanted me to be that guy. So, that's a tough situation to find in general and who and anywhere. But for him to be able to tell me that very, before I even, you know, got on that plane, um, that was big for me. So when I got there, you know, I had already had it in my mind that I was just going to go play, just go beat me, make the mistakes, shoot the shots, be aggressive, and then just kind of live with the results. And, um, I think that's what made me feel more comfortable about taking the, you know, the trip overseas the first time and kind of allow me to be comfortable in that first year and kind of figure out exactly how I could be, Successful uh, over here.
1: Yo, man, I got I got a question, and this is just more so because I mean, just running switch cultures and stuff, man. Sometimes the comments, man, they just kind of get on my nerves. So, can you, for the fans, for the fans out there, can you explain yeah. to them? They always say, like, oh, why isn't he in the league? You know, all this other stuff. Like, can you uh, can you let them know what goes into the decision of taking the NBA job versus
2: staying in Europe? In your situation now. Uh, I mean, for me personally, I can't speak on, you know, everybody else. But for me personally, I like to hoop. I'm a hooper to the core. I like to hoop. I like to play. I like to compete. There's a lot of guys that come over here thinking, you know, I'm just going over there to show what I can do so I can get back. And, you know, I kind of had that mindset early on, which is why I took that deal back in Boston. But then the ne- the next time I came over here, when I got to Ephesus, I was just like, I'm just going to ride this plane over here and see what I could turn this into. And whatever it takes me from there is where it takes me. And, you know, could I be in the league? For sure. Could I have signed every single summer in the league? Yes. But at the end of the day, those opportunities that I had in the league weren't for me to necessarily get the, you know, the 20, 25 minutes to go out there and show yourself. It was more so like, ah, we like them. We're going to have them come in training camp, compete. And sure, you can go in there and win that job. But also if you're going to, let's say, playoff championship contending teams that see a guy in Europe that could potentially help them if somebody gets hurt or something like that. It's not necessarily the same opportunity that you have to be able to build yourself and grow as a player than I think you can have here. And for me personally, that's more so what it was. Every single year here, you know, I think I've gotten better. I've grown as a player and uh, I think having the ability to have the responsibility every single night, day in and day out to be responsible for you know, game winning plays, making decisions at the end of the game, having a big role in the offense, defensively having to lock up some of the better players. I think that is way more valuable than, you know, going back over to the NBA and, and waiting for an opportunity. I'm over here showing who I am. And if somebody wants to give me that opportunity that I feel like I deserve, then okay, then I'll make that jump back. But until then, I'm perfectly fine, you know, growing and, you know, becoming one of the best players that is, has come over here. So um, that's more so why I don't. Go back to the league every single opportunity that I get because if it's not the right opportunity where you're going to be able to play and show yourself um, as a hooper, as a guy who likes to hoop, you know I feel like I would be unhappy and, and damn near miserable sitting on that bench every night, you know, waiting like this, trying to get an opportunity to get in the game, maybe not even taking my warm up off. Uh, that's that's just not for me. So that's why I choose to to stay over here until somebody you know gives me that opportunity to go back and, and be a rotational guy.
0: I think I think more and more people need to hear that. Like even even if it's not in the Saints, because it's hard obviously to reach the heights that you've reached, but to be able to yeah. to be content and find some comfortability or some some, I guess yeah, some comfortability overseas, where it's like if a league opportunity or a different opportunity did come along, where you just kind of like you know fuck it, I'm here, I'm cool. You know what I'm saying? I right. think that might be one of the most freeing feelings as an overseas hooper, which is like, again yeah. that's part of the mental side that I just don't think. I don't, I don't know how many overseas hooper really reached that point in their career. You know what I'm saying? It might nah, yeah, it's tough. Be one, two percent. So, um, but again, I think that's more of a mental thing and um, the way you approach the game. So I think that's dope to, to hear you
2: say that. Yeah, I think you just got to buy in. You really just—if you love hoop—if you—if you love to hoop, and you your life you love to hoop, then hoop. And if it means you got to be away from your family, away from your friends, away from America for ten months. And you gotta deal with these crazy coaches giving you punishment practices because y'all lose, and payments be late. Hey, you do you love hoop or not? Do you or do you not love hoop? that's what it's gonna come down to. If you really love this thing, you gotta sit here and deal with all of that. But we the we the defending champs, but we lost a, a game this year, bro. We had like three day camp. We don't go home. You staying at the hotel. We keep away from your family, your kids, your everything. We you staying in this hotel and y'all not leaving. We having two practices a day. We watching film. Like, it's just part of it. And if you really love it, then it's just some things you gotta deal with coming with the with the territory over here. So it's do you really love the hoop or not? That's that's what it comes down to.
0: Hey, what's what's the what's the craziest punishment y'all got man, in your career? What's the craziest thing? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Bruh, so I think my first year here, um, first year here, we were, in first, we were in first place in the Turkish league, and <laughs> we lost to the last place team. We had just won a big yearly game. It was like maybe two days later. We traveled back, didn't really have practice. The team was like a bunch of Turkish guys, and then they had two Americans, Tony Douglas, and um, there's Landry Noko, No, 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 I don't know how to say yeah, that. Yeah, name. Yeah. Yeah. And they was playing for this team called Sicaria, bro. <laughs> yeah. And we was feeling ourselves, blah, blah, blah. But I swear, combined, they probably gave us 65 and 33. Some crazy <laughs> numbers, bro, and we lost. My G, we got to the locker room. Usually coach takes 5, 10, 15 minutes to come in there. But he came in there immediately, slammed the door behind him. He said, none of y'all change. All y'all go get in y'all car right now we driving to the practice the city, and we going to run and shoot for two hours, bro. <laughs> I was like, huh? This is my first year back over here. I was like, huh? He could he could do this? I was like, I ain't going. they like, all right, don't go. You're going to get that paycheck in a couple of days. It's going to have a hefty fine in it. I was like, all right so bro we all drove over there bro we in our game uniforms bro <laughs> game uniform running shooting shots at like 11 at night bro that was the craziest one that that we've been a part of since since I've been back over here but it's definitely real that it happened bro it's no jokes
0: hey man. for sure that's that's wild. I can appreciate you. I can appreciate how you just uh Charles Barkley, my man's name too. What do you say, Landry N'Yorkois? N- N- <laughs> no, 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 clue. no, no. no, clue. no
2: clue. Right.
0: I, I know who you talk about too. I don't, I don't know, know how I to say agree. his name either. Yeah, yeah I don't know who you talk about, but
2: yeah.
0: <laughs> But look, man, you don't
2: <laughs> <laughs> you
0: yeah, you don't been through a lot, clearly, but obviously it's paid off because you are essentially. Yeah. A celebrity, you know, in Turkey, overseas, right? Like, yeah. I would say, I think when I was in Gala, when you was in FS and we, I seen you out one time, and you had your hood up, and you just walking around. I was like, Yo, why this nigga got his hood up? Like, we, we in Turkey, like, <laughs> like, like we in Turkey. And then someone, yeah. like, someone had came up. Like, I think someone noticed you, and like a couple, three, four people just came up and tapped you, right, out, right away. I was like, Oh, like. Like you know how it is in Europe, like people know you, but you was like, but yeah, I was like, but this dude really like LeBron in in Istanbul, so I thought that was dope as hell. So I mean, I guess just talk about like, how satisfying is that? Does that make you love the game even more? Um, And how satisfying was that? You know, obviously, you said coming from Dallas in that situation to just be appreciated in that way.
2: Yeah, I mean, it definitely makes you feel good. Obviously. You always want to be, you know, recognized for your talent, for your abilities. Um, so, it, you know, it kind of gradually grew. First year was okay. Had some good games. Went to the final. Won Turkish League. And I think you came over here during the second year. Because you came, when did you come? Right before?
0: Yeah, like right 17. Right before COVID? Nah.
2: Yeah.
0: Nah. It's like 17, 18, I think. I don't even
2: remember. The first year. Yeah, yeah. So maybe it was the first year. I, I don't remember, but assignment. it was a gradual, you know, increase. And now I would say, you know, since I joined the national team, it's kind of even gone to a, another level where, you know, it's it's always enjoyable being recognized and, and everybody showing you love in the country. And, you know, it's, it's, I don't really know how to explain it because, you know, it's it's pros and cons to it because it's yeah. kind of annoying sometimes. But, um, you know, I always take the time out to to take pictures or try to communicate with the fans and, you know, just show the appreciation that I have for them because, you know, obviously it always makes you feel better when, you know, somebody wants to take a picture with you because of what you do on a basketball court, especially coming from America, being all the way across the world. uh, It definitely makes it, you know, sweeter to to kind of feel those emotions as opposed to nobody really caring about, you know, what you got going on.
1: Yo, have you, uh, I remember when I used to be in Europe, I used to always get, like, mistaken for an American celebrity that looks nothing like me.
2: (laughs) Have you got any, like, wild ones? Nah, not really. Uh, I don't think so. I think, I mean, not... I haven't been mistaken but I've had people tell me I look like certain certain mm-hmm. people. So it wasn't like, Oh, are you this dude? Like <laughs> the weekend I'm like, nah, but ain't you. <laughs> but uh they definitely come up and be like, You know you look like this guy and they show you the picture. Like, yeah, nah, I ain't you, though. <laughs> so
0: that be that be that be the most annoying shit in the world. Japan would be the worst because sure. they really just tell you look like any random black dude. Like, oh, that's <laughs> <I> <laughs> like that. that's Drake. Like that's Drake. I'm like, man, first of all, that's racist as hell. <laughs> like, like, that's a, like low key, that's a hate crime. Like, come on, man. Well, I, don't even I heard I like heard
2: that, that though. In Japan and China is like that. I've heard crazy, that
0: crazy, yeah, crazy, crazy. And me, even in America, I've been told I look like every any black dude you could think. Of. I got Chris <laughs> Duhon, Jay Williams, but I'm like, right? Uh, that's good. We that's because we you went doing? to school
1: in Wisconsin. You know, what I mean, mean y'all, man, look, 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 y'all, here y'all, we go. y'all recruit, here we go.
0: y'all yeah, look, recruit
1: look, players hey, look, on the color hey, wheel. Y'all don't go oh, past God. a certain level on the <laughs> crayon box. Y'all got all light skins over there. I, I don't think y'all ever
0: had a dark-skinned
1: yeah. player in history.
0: You hear, you hear, you hear Shane over here talking about true that. Like, man, fuck out of here. You fit with us. <laughs> oh, light bright ass, man. Watch out. <laughs> hey,
2: light skin is in right now, but light man. skin is winning, dog. <laughs>
0: Always is. I can go either way depending on the crowd I'm rolling with. So you know, right true in that. the middle. <laughs> we, have, yeah. we have we have we have Marcus Landry though. He dark skinned and Orlando and Doe. You know what I'm saying? We had a couple. Beyond chocolate uh chocolate dudes, man. <laughs> but look, man, give me a, give me a uh, real quick, give me your Euro League All-Star team, and then I got a follow-up All-Star question team. for you. Give me your your all Euro League team, whoever you want to pick. Give me eight guys.
2: Eight guys, not yep. including myself. If you want it, I mean um, if I would I'd include you, but you could do whatever you want. All right, so I'll put me on there, Mike. Uh, Vasa, Vasilian Mitic, Um, We gonna go with the bigs. Tavares. Uh, I like Vizinkov. How many am I now? What what, six. Six. Yep. Six. Clyburn. will Clyburn? And then <laughs> hmm, who's gonna be my last one? <laughs> <laughs> I need another big, don't I? Yeah. I go... I go Vesity. I like Vesity. Vesity, night. I go Vesity. All, right. All
0: right. Now, I'm going to add <clears throat> any superstar you want to the team. KD, LeBron, whoever you want. Pick one.
2: For that team, we're going to go... <sighs> Damn, that's tough. Yeah, I didn't know I could add an NBA superstar. Then it changed my whole roster. This well, is this, this the that? end. This the end. Now that, that's your roster. You got to
0: add a superstar, whoever you want. I'll go, KD. KD. All right. How many games y'all winning in the league?
2: In the league with KD? Yeah. Yep. We're going to win by, we're going to be around 500. <laughs> we're we'll so be right there around 500. So y'all getting to the
0: playoffs? We gonna get. We in the East for sure. We in there. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that, that's that's antiquated. That's outdated. The East better than the West now, for real. Man, I don't know
2: about all that. I don't
0: know. Man. That's don't cap. Know. That's cap. I don't know. That. I don't know, oh. I
1: don't know about that one. Top that's the bottom.
2: Cap? Top the to bottom. Yeah, top, to top bottom. the bottom. I don't know about that,
0: Detroit, Orlando. Who's at the Sacramento? Who else at the bottom of the, of the West? Sac got talent. Yeah, Sad Sad got, got talent, talent though. though. They just you put sack in the Listen, they east, they, they not at the bottom. And the Lakers had LeBron, and they suck. Listen, okay, but that's the thing because the West you put is the tough. The Lakers in
2: the East, right? You put the Lakers in the East, then what? They hold on,
0: off. hold on, hold on. See, this this wasn't even on schedule, but now <laughs> since, since you ain't on a time constraint, <laughs> we, we can take it here. You know what I'm saying, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. This year, not 2014. This year, this year. this year. This year. Do we got the? Can we pull up the uh, the standings real quick? Hold on, I got the
1: standings right here. Who are you trying to we see got, at the bottom of the East?
0: Bottom me, of the East,
1: you got the Magic, the Pistons, the Pacers, the Wizards,
0: the you Knicks, j- the Wizards. First of all, the Wizards with Brad Beal is solid. They decent. They started off the year good and then got injured. So. They always you know start the year off whatever, and then no, nah, they started off trash last year and ended up good. See, you just over there talking, man. No, it, no, man. no, no. <laughs> by and
1: large, by and large, they they trash. But like on, in, right. the West, Portland, in the
0: West, Portland, OKC, Houston, Sacramento, San Antonio. But they San Antonio was in play. playing. Don't do that. <laughs> they were, <laughs> yeah, they were. San Antonio
2: started. <laughs> San Antonio was thirty four and forty eight. Man, top to bottom, the West got more. Sacramento's more talented than Orlando. Sacramento's more talented than Sacramento, not more talented than Washington. Without, I mean, Mm -hmm. once Washington traded all those dudes, yeah. Without Dinwiddie, Brad was hurt. Then they brought Mm -hmm. Porzingis, but I mean, then who was getting Porzingis the ball?
0: Nah, okay, but we just talk about talent now. I mean, I don't know who's getting on the box. Uh, Sadaransky, ain't he about to be your teammate potentially? Yeah, him, see? You know, no, I, I mean, he's cool. <laughs> he's talented. Nah, but uh, listen New York, Washington, Charlotte, Cleveland, Atlanta, Brooklyn, Chicago, Toronto, Philly, Milwaukee, Boston,
2: Miami. Who was the, the nine in the East? Charlotte? Cleveland. Cleveland, Cleveland ended up nine? Yeah. So you was busy
0: with your playoffs. Who was, who I don't was think Charlotte?
2: I was who, what Charlotte ended up? Ten. 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 All right, Charlotte is ten. Who was ten in the West? San Antonio. San Antonio. Charlotte was forty-three and
0: thirty-nine. San Antonio was thirty-four and forty-eight. And I ain't just but going New off Orleans records. But New Orleans was
2: what? New Orleans Nine, was what? New Orleans was eight. It was eight at thirty-six eight. and forty-six. Now New Orleans against who was the eight and what's the name? In the, Atlanta. In Atlanta. Atlanta. Who better? New Orleans, Atlanta. Without Zion. This with the rushes as they were, Atlanta, Atlanta, oh, no, no, dog, Atlanta, no, nah, New Orleans was no, clicking. New close, Orleans
0: Is clicking towards New the Orleans end. New, New Orleans, Orleans was clicking. New Orleans Is clicking. Listen, but but if but now. so Zion didn't play, so I'm taking him off. But if John Collins and Capella healthy, like not missing the time that they missed at the time that they did, you know what I'm saying?
2: Then Atlanta's not an eight seed. Now nah, I feel that. I feel that. I don't know, man. It's tough. It's tough. But it's I don't definitely think, I don't closer it's close. than it used getting, to be. Yeah,
1: it's getting, it's getting, even. It's it's getting, it's it's getting even. It's starting even out. It's starting even out.
2: the Lakers
0: suck. I tried to watch them all year long. I want them to be good all year long. They suck. So just because they got LeBron, they stink. They struggle. They struggle. Listen. They were too old, bro. They were too old. Uh, we we and had not we, one person who wanted to play defense. Nobody man, we had, like I said, we had Elijah on last week, your teammate, and I said, we always talk about, you know, the NBA team, when a good Euro League come along, I said, y'all was the team that I was like, oh, y'all really might have, like, the way y'all play with y'all guards and all that, y'all would have swept the Lakers. <laughs> 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 y'all would have beat them three
2: times. <laughs> yeah. all right. yeah. all right. now, I ain't gonna say that, but damn. Uh, well, I am. When they were defending, we had a chance.
0: And the way A.D. was playing, Dunstan would have held him to six and eight.
2: <laughs> <laughs> what, what rules we playing with, though? We playing with that your matter. We playing with NBA. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a big key. It don't matter. If we roll could close that paint on them,
0: them it, we'd be all right. Hey man, roll the ball out. But, yeah, I, I really don't think it's close, like East and West this year. Like, Houston is trash. OKC was not good. Portland was not good. Sacramento was not good. LA was not good. San Antonio was not
2: good.
1: It's getting even, but as a whole when everybody's healthy, the West is stronger for sure. but
2: how many teams you just
0: name? 16 everybody everybody wasn't healthy though yeah, five 16, 16,
1: 16. Yeah but I'm saying when everybody's oh, healthy if you look at the
0: rosters if everybody, I'm just talking about this year with the you said the rosters with people that played, the East was better.
2: I don't know how better. It's close. I mean, you. Yeah. I mean, it depends on who you want to talk to. Yeah, it's yeah. close, though. I don't know. I don't know. It's close, close,
0: man. Y'all niggas stuck in the time warp, 2016. <laughs> that shit. That's it. <laughs> but nah, man. So anyway, moving on. moving on. Cause we gotta get to the to the pressing topics. Um, we had a conversation last week where a lot of your teammate again talked about some legacy, uh, legacy or money, um, so for you, I guess. What what's more important uh what has become more important i guess the older you've gotten you're gonna leave a crazy legacy in europe um like you said you love the game what kind of drives you to do what you've done
2: uh i mean definitely legacy i think you know at this point i've made i've made good money uh so now it's just about how far i could take it um i don't know where where that is what's next what opportunities coming but um, I think legacy is definitely more important at this point at my age. I'm about to be 30 this year. So just seeing as how far I can take it, what I can, what else I can accomplish in my career. You know, I've done some, some things over here individually and as a team that, you know, I had I set out to do things that I wanted to do. And now that I've done those things, I think it's just about, you know, how much further I can take it, what other things I can accomplish and what new goals I can set for myself and, and see what. You know what opportunities I get to to be able to go out there and accomplish those things.
0: We've talked about before, like that European accomplishment should get you into the to the Hall of Fame. I forgot who who we had on here talking about that, at, but we've talked about that. Yeah. Do you think that like so the career you've had in Europe should hold more weight than mm-hmm. say like if you was the seventh man in the NBA or no?
2: Tough, bro. Tough 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 situation because at the end of the day the nba is a different level i think we all can agree to that um, you know obviously there's differences within the game and individual players have different levels of success at different places um but i think if you're the seventh man on a you know a, you know i'm let's say i'm a, one of the most important players on the team that just went back to back I don't know if that holds more weight than a seventh man on, you know, one of those Lakers teams that three-peated or, you know, the Golden State team that went back-to-back. Like Andre Iguodala, I think he was probably like sixth, seventh man on one of those teams. I think that holds, you know, a little more weight than, you know, going back-to-back over here. But, I mean, it's definitely not easy. It's challenging over here. To, I think the playoff system over here with one game wins it all where, you know, you can have an off day and kind of lose a championship based on that. I think that makes it tougher to win win things over here because not necessarily the best team wins every time. But I mean that's that's a I don't think it's at a level yet here where you can say that kinda trumps being a seventh man on a back to back champion elite. I think that's still is a different different level.
0: Okay.
1: Yeah, I think like I mean I <clears throat> when I look at uh basketball in general or the basketball hall of fame in general, um, I mean I think that obviously the NBA is a whole nother level but when you have somebody that's doing something that is pretty much unheard of or difficult to do at any level, you know what I'm saying? And I think that, you know, and I think when we were talking about it last time, I mean, the amount of Final Fours that Kyle Hines has been to, you know, has been to, I mean, I feel like it deserves consideration. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um There's, I mean, even going back to back and, like, let's say that, you know, y'all three-peat, you know, in your league, like – I really don't know too many NBA players that you could just put on a Euro league team and do nine final fours, however many Kyle has done, you know what I'm saying? And do these type of things. So it's just like, you know, when you look at it in the scope in that scope, man, I I think that it deserves, it deserves consideration.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think, I think it definitely deserves consideration. I think, you know, as the Euro league continues to grow. And I think as, you know, if they can get, if they can get it more closer to you know like a concept like how the NBA has, where it's just one individual league and not you know you don't have all the domestic league stuff going on as well, I think if you can get you know twenty teams to kind of buy their way out of the domestic league and just truly create a Euroleague where it's just Euroleague teams, you can have like a draft, the TV rights broadcasted around the world. I think if it can get to a certain level where it has more of a global impact outside of just Europe. I think then more of those things that have happened in the past where, you know, Joko has all the championships he has. Pantanichos has all those rings. Kyle in nine final fours, won four of them. Like, if you can get it to a level like that where it's globally recognized for how great of a league it actually is, then I think, you know, you have a better chance at it or it's going to get more consideration because more people are going to look and dive into the history of, you know, what has – already made the league what it is because without, you know, all those team successes, Seska going to 14 out of 16 Final Fours, I think people will start really going into those, you know, into that history and kind of understanding how much, you know, talent and ability is over here as opposed to, you know, kind of being recognized as, oh, just the second best league in the world. I think people will kind of understand exactly what it is and how important basketball is to these people over here and how challenging it actually is and all the little things that go into it. So... I think as the game continues to grow yearly continues to grow and take on new heights different levels, I think possibly then you know it can get that level of consideration that you know it deserves yeah, maybe maybe I shouldn't have said Trump, I should have just said it should it shouldn't be
0: diminished that you're doing that in Europe should so yeah. definitely be more consideration, but Europe going to new heights does that mean does that mean it's got to separate from the domestic leagues
2: and you know what I mean? I mean, that's the tough thing. I have had this conversation many times because it's like I know that if you take, let's say you, in Turkish League, if you take F.S. and Fener out of the Turkish League, it hurts the Turkish League by a lot, and you don't want to do that to your, your country. So it's difficult. Uh, you take Barcelona, Basconia, and Madrid out of the ACB. It's like, all right, who? I mean, maybe you get a different winner every single year, but you're not going to have that fan – support of, you know, going to see these top teams with the biggest budgets play against each other. It's kind of kind of hurt the league. So it's going to be tough. I don't don't know if it ever actually gets done, but the ideal of it, if you can, you know, think about, not think about the domestic league, if you can really create a Euroleague where, let's say you have like 18 teams, some teams in Turkey, some teams in Spain, maybe you put a team like in, in Paris, you put a team in London, you put a team in, you know, these desirable cities in Europe. I feel like you would get many more, you know, players that – Americans, you know, guys from all over the world that would want to come play and be part of this league because it would have that NBA concept where you're not playing – you're playing back-to-backs. One night you're in Paris, one night you're in Istanbul, one night you're in Athens, next night you're in Madrid. And I think that kind of – that kind of potential for a league would, you know – Make other guys want to come be a part of it, as opposed to you know the grinded out schedule that it is where you know you got one international competition, you fly back home practice, then you got domestic league, and it's like kind of different levels of competition. I think if you can really get it to that level, then I think the league can you know go to new heights and um it's gonna be tough, but I think that's something that if you know certain teams or certain owners or certain you know clubs are interested in doing if you can get you know, 10, 15 teams to buy in and possibly get, you know, some of these billionaires in, in, you know, the UK to want to have basketball teams. I think if you can get, you know, that kind of global scale and kind of grow the the idea or the passion for basketball in the UK, I think that will help a lot because that will bring in a lot of money to the sport, new fan bases. Like if you can get Liverpool or Man United or Man City or – Chelsea, some of these teams that have all these followers, all this money to kind of buy into basketball and kind of build up the culture there, I think then you have more of a, an ability to kind of put money into the league, get broadcasting deals, TV deals, sponsorships, and then maybe be able to get it to that point where it's truly like an NBA format where you got a draft every year from, you know, some of these kids in Serbia that are going straight to the NBA and kind of just grow the, the, the base of the league to, to become more, but it's going to be tough, and you know I, you know I would like to be a part of you know pushing that culture, pushing that you know agenda and trying to make it that way, but at the end of the day, I have you know no idea what goes on behind the scenes at this moment, so I know I just know it'll be tough. you got some in?
1: No nah, man, I mean I, I agree there, I, I know there's uh there's one of the uh, the owners of the football teams in uh, London. I know he bought one of the teams uh out there. And the league is growing out there. They're starting to get more fans, and, you know, they're getting – they're doing things right. They're trending in the right direction, but they're still a ways off. But I think within the next five years, I I think they're going to make a push to have a EuroLeague team there. And uh, I think the whole – I think Paris will have one too. You got to have one in every major city in Europe. Like, it's got to happen. It's got to happen. Got to.
2: Got to.
0: Man. That being said, with – you know, I, th- I think they should just get rid of domestic leagues altogether. <laughs> that's,
2: that's, stop, stop. I mean,
0: it's tough to do. I know it's tough to do, but it don't make no sense. It don't make no sense. At least they got to change something in terms of the way they format it, because it don't make no sense that y'all just won the Euro League and then you got to go play, I don't know, karshaka in, the, karshaka in the three-game series. Like, come on, man. How y'all you supposed to play during that? Like, if I was the coach, I would have been like, listen – we forfeit <laughs>
1: like, hey, do y'all, y'all, hey do you y'all, hey do you y'all think it would uh do you think you think players would ever have the power in Europe to just sign Play over and just a be like and I'm just playing Euroleague you think players yeah,
0: have ever had that Shane problem? Yeah, Shane got that. Yeah, Shane, dude. What you mean? No, Shane going to lead the way? I'm Turkish. <laughs> Shane going to lead the way? <laughs> okay. I'm Turkish, She
2: going to lead the <laughs> pollution? <laughs> I'm Turkish. I'm on the roster every weekend. <laughs> every weekend I'm on the roster. Turkish. So I'm on there. Um, but yeah, I, think, I, mean, I think there is going to be a, an ability to sign those kind of contracts. Uh, I just think – I don't think you can – sign for as much money because if you think about it, you're only playing in one league, and they're going to be like, all right, well, if you're only playing in one league, then we're only going to pay you half the amount that we would have paid you if you are playing both. So I think it's tough, but it's also to the domestic league thing. It's like you got a lot of kids in Turkey that love playing basketball. You get rid of that domestic league, then what? Where are they going to go and play basketball, bro? <laughs> That's messed up. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <Nah>. <laughs> you know Turkey but Athens like a Turkey Athens Serbia like people love they love basketball they love the sport so it's like if you get rid of the domestic league sure you know some of these kids in these countries aren't going to play in the Euro League or the Euro Cup Champions League or NBA but
1: right, they can play
2: you know they, in they're going to or, they're
1: gonna have to get a job like the, these Americans <laughs> out
0: here <laughs> that
1: leave college that right, can't continue right. their right. career right.
2: they're going to have to H- get a job right. and go hoop in the
1: right.
0: Drew right. League H&R Block gonna H and R block, play for the company team, bro. <laughs> what you mean? Get you a job up at the man. school, man. Hoop with the kids. You teach basketball. By time Europeans are spoiled, man. I feel you. 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 <laughs> Europeans feel you. is spoiled, but yo, <laughs> man. I feel you. Hey, we want to touch on, on Jalen Brown's situation too. He just signed a, signed a deal with Donda, Donda Sports. Sports, man. So I know I'm sure you got some thoughts on that. Were you in Boston with him? Yeah, you was with him for a minute, yeah. right? I
2: was yeah. J.B. For minute.
0: So so I I don't know him personally, but he just seemed like he got a very like thoughtful, eclectic personality. Yeah, so when I he saw he's when I saw he signed with Kanye, I was like, that makes that makes a lot of sense. So I guess one, do, what do you think about that would be the first question. Um and
2: oh. then Yeah, go ahead. Um, I mean I think, you know, I, obviously there's probably a lot of very specific writing in that contract that he signed, but like you said, JB's a smart kid. Um, so I don't think he would sign no no BS contract and, you know, give up everything that's coming his way um for anything stupid. Um so obviously you would have to see the contract and see everything that goes into it. I'm sure he has some type of creative you know, control on something within his, you know, marketing or something that goes into that. Um, but in terms of on the basketball side of it, at a certain point, it's like how much does your agent really do for you? If you Jalen Brown, you just, you know, are the number two scorer on an NBA finals team, you're 24 years old, you super athletic, you already made one all-star team. I mean, he don't really need the greatest agent in the world. If I was his agent or if any of y'all his agents, we going to be able to go get him. 200 million you know so i think he kind of looked at it in that way and was kind of you know i think jt uh, jb's a leader i think he wants to you know create different pathways for the younger generation and i think that you know obviously it's somewhat of a risk because he's not going with the already established agency but um like i said i think he would make a, a good decision and we wouldn't you know risk anything in his future by signing that so you know i'm interested to see how it all plays out um but hopefully, it all it all works out the way that he wants it to.
1: Yeah, I think I think with this move, I think with this move, it'd be it'd be more important to to see what he does off the court with it. Right. You know, what I mean, I exactly. think you know, I, I think like you said, anybody can go out there and get him two hundred mil. But I think you know, he he seems like the type of person, and I think that he's at a point in his career where he's he's playing a long game. And he's uh right. he's trying to, you know, set some building blocks for, you know, uh something bigger. So I'll be I i be paying more attention to what he's doing off the court, yeah. you know, in these coming years.
2: For sure. Yeah. Or oh, he about to drop a mixtape with a with a Yay feature. One <laughs> of the <laughs> one of the two.
0: <laughs> yo, yo Yeah, that's social justice track that they about to drop for sure. <laughs> 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 yo, 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 yo.
1: Yo, here's a question for both of y'all. Who is, the, who is the best and worst rapper y'all had as teammates in your career? Yeah,
2: worst rapper I had as teammates. <laughs> Damn, let me think. Best.
1: Whichever I mean, one goes first of mine,
2: yeah. Best, probably Iman Shumpert. Probably the best. I mean, he he's actually mm. made some tracks. So yeah, I would say did. probably best, Iman Worst, shoot! I don't even know. I don't even know. I don't even like officially or just like somebody who just be freestyling and just ain't never, never sounded good. It could it, it right.
1: be whatever. It could be whatever, man.
2: So I, one of my teammates now, actually, when we were in Call Basconia, he was a little young at the time. Roddy Bouba, yeah. he like he he would freestyle in French and then all of a sudden he started learning English I was like alright let me hear something in English and he'll try I'm like yeah but he might as well just stick to that to the French freestyle well, I don't know what you are saying because when he tried to rhyme and stuff in English that joint never never came out right so I would say he probably the worst one hey, yeah, hit him with, hey man
0: everybody trying to hear that bullshit <laughs> <laughs> like the, What's your ass up my, right. My, right. mine was probably the worst is probably myself uh I can't rap for shit. <laughs> I can sing like Luther though. But the best is probably uh <laughs> light skin. I'm just telling you the truth, man. I'm just telling you the truth. Look, right. but the, the best is actually, I don't know if I had a lot of good, huh? You know, I'm I gotta give it to my, my Spanish teammate, this dude Sebastian Size I was with him this year. He actually he actually solid. He be rapping in Spanish. He got a nice little flow. He actually decent. No. He he was actually I was shocked to be honest, cause he a goofy goofy ass dude. That's my bad, but <laughs> he, he was solid. Yeah, no, I had a I had a
1: college teammate, uh, Jeremy Green. He was he he was legit. Like he used to uh, he could spit. But uh, I say the worst, and I don't even know if he was that bad, but it just used to annoy me was uh, D. Brown. Uh, when I was D Brown, I used to hoop in Illinois. The no, Labrade, yeah, yeah, man. yeah. We was teammates in Italy, bro. And he his his apartment was right under mine. He never adjusted to the time, so he's up all night. And he used to just be rapping and freestyling. I think I told the story on the podcast earlier, but I remember we used to drive an hour and a half to Rome, bro. And like he played his whole mixtape. So we got through. We got through like the first like we got through. We got through the whole thing. It was like fifty minutes, and I'm thinking he about to put something else on. And he. He run that thing back, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, uh, you, <laughs> I'm going to take a taxi back
0: <laughs> by any means. Uh, you can do it again. You, you heard it, but you uh, wasn't listening, huh? <laughs> man, you heard That's it. You, did you actually let him run it back? Man, I wasn't driving. <laughs> it was
1: my first oh, year year nah. Europe. I was like a rookie year. I wasn't about to say nothing, man. I just nah. had to, like, stomach yeah. it. But You a better man, man than me. Uh, I would have ran that are a of rappers, road. man.
0: <laughs> you are a better right. man than me. Fuck that. <laughs> Fuck that, man. Hey, but sure. the final, the final's coming up. So, two questions. In honor of uh, first of all, in honor of J.R. Smith, you gotta give us what's your worst, what's your both this for everybody? What's your worst uh big game blunder, worst mistake you ever mm-hmm. made in a big game?
2: big games under mm. I don't even know if I had something that bad I would say probably this this year we were playing in the uh, in the uh, I was in with the national team against uh we were playing Greece at home in front of all of our fans and it was my first time playing with like a, a packed gym here in Turkey and I had like I think five, six turnovers and I had a, a bad turnover late in the game where I just dribbled it off my foot when I we were down by three or five or something like that. So I would say that's probably in the recent memory, that's probably my worst mid-game blunder. That ain't
1: too bad. That ain't too bad. <laughs> no, nah, I remember I was in a I was in a cup game and uh man it was like late. It was one of those games I was getting off in the first half and then the second half started off kind of slow or whatever. And it was uh it was fourth quarter and I might have had a bucket or two right before that but it's like late game might be tied down one something like that I wave everybody to the baseline <laughs> like hey, everybody just get out the way I got it I don't want no screen was, like I got it, it was I'm moment. in my ha, ha, ha. <laughs> got ripped and it was one of those <laughs> it was one of those joints where you know I'm going I'm going hard one direction oh. and I get ripped without the ball. Like you slip and then you just four watching nine. the play on
0: like on
2: the floor. You just laying on the ground watching
0: <laughs> that joint going out of the way. I was like, damn. Hell. Damn, yeah. Mine was probably actually I did it this year. We had a game two go to proceeding in the playoffs. And it was like one of them close games, kinda, you know, bang bang, kinda low scoring. We had got a stop. We, had, we was down like eight, cut it to like four. Momentum was changing. And uh what happened the ball like rolled to the corner so I chased the rebound down. I'm tired so I'm looking at trying to get a play I'm walking the ball up the floor next thing you know beep I look up 15 on hey, the clock cry. <laughs> mm, <laughs> I was, see my coach I got a Serbian coach this man sat down over here talking about some fuck, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, bro, my bad, but chill. Like, <laughs> man, I see I see Jordan Poole do that in the Warriors game the other day, too. I was happy as hell because I was telling everybody, like, man, it ain't just me. Ain't just uh, Elijah me. did that joint last week,
2: uh, about two weeks ago, in, in the car series. He did it. See, yeah. He was playing some little press. Some little press. I passed it to him with, like, 17. He caught it, chilled for a second, took one dribble, picked it up right before the line. Eight seconds. I'm like, y'all, what you doing, bro? <laughs>
0: He ain't telling us all that. Yeah, <laughs> he ain't even yeah, telling yeah. us all that. We <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> had it like
2: two weeks ago, boy. Man, it was tripping. Oh so man. So
0: nah, that's funny.
1: Nah, but uh, moving forward, man. So we about to uh, we about to get into some sneaker culture, man. As a uh, you know, I know you—you you somewhat of a sneakerhead, man. I remember we did that uh, the little lifestyle piece last season, man. You had all them kicks, man. You was pulling <laughs> kicks out under the stairwell, man. You was putting them in a yeah. in the linen closet. He got kicks everywhere, yeah. but uh, yeah. but yeah, man. Sneaker culture has evolved in many ways, you know, over the years, man. It's always had like a political p- presence with like Black Lives Matters colorways and all different kind of things, and even dating back to, uh, you know, the early 1900s and stuff like that. And there's just always been a a presence in like sports and music. And, you know, nowadays it's kind of seesawing between, you know, being rare and unaffordable and then this whole resale culture. Um, Where do you think what do you think is the next evolution in sneaker culture? Um, You know, you think there's going to be like collabs with crypto, cryptocurrencies or, you know, what do you see as uh,
2: being the next step? I I mean I think you just nailed it. I think it's probably gonna head in that direction. I think that's the hot thing right now, cryptocurrency. So, you know, I can see like certain shoes becoming raffles, um, and if you get lucky enough to get one of those shoes, maybe you get on one of these white lists or something like that. So I think you know probably in that direction. I think the whole resale culture has, you know, kind of tainted the the sneaker culture in in general and in, in a in a sense because it's many people out there that's not even really sneakerheads that's going out to try to get sneakers. People just going out there for the cash. So, um, I mean, I understand it. I mean, it's a hustle. It's part of it. But um, I wish it wasn't so easy to, you know, be able to stand in line for hours for a shoe and then just flip it for thousands of dollars later on. I think people who truly, genuinely want the shoes and enjoy the shoes should be able to get in those lines. But, I mean, everything, everything revolves around money nowadays. so um i don't know if what you can do about that but i would say yeah you you hit it right on the head i think definitely being some kind of involved in cryptocurrency with certain sneakers or certain releases um in that kind of kind of atmosphere is probably where, where it's headed next
0: does crypto does crypto solve some of that stuff are you crypto you into crypto like that
2: not really. I mean, okay. uh, I understand some of it, but I ain't, I ain't really big into it.
0: Yeah, it'd be interesting to see if crypto actually solves, like you said, you know, kind of weeds out some of the people from the resale market yeah. and stuff like that.
2: I mean, yeah, maybe. Um, like I said, I don't really try to pay too much attention to it. Um, I'm, I'm black and white. I don't, I don't really get into all the extras. I let my finance people handle handle all that.
0: <laughs>
2: finance. People. I hope That's what I do. That's how, that's how you know <laughs>
0: Man, my, my finance people is my dad, so you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you big time talking about my finance people. I <laughs> love to see it. Love to see it. <laughs> what he say? Love to see a black man get paid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, but yo, but we're going to move on man. from that though, man. Um, obviously, you know, I'm sure you're annoyed at hearing this question, but obviously, your dad, Barry Larkin, baseball player, Hall of Fame baseball player. And you see now this wave of professional athletes with Clay, Steph, who got fathers, parents, whatever that, you know, came from the professional ranks at a high level. So how much of a, of advantage uh, was that to have, you know, being in the Reds dugouts like that growing up, even though it was baseball? How, how, how advantageous was that as opposed to, you know, having a dad who's a, uh, I don't know, who work at, you know, the post office or a financial advisor?
2: Um, you know, I think I saw early on what it took to, to be successful in that, in that world. Um, like you said, it's different sports, but, you know, the grind and the commitment to, to whatever you're trying to accomplish, I, I learned very early on. I know, my dad was, you know, one of the best high-level Hall of Famer, All-Star every single year, Golden Gloves, Silver Sluggers. He did all the, all the individual accolades, but he never changed his, you know, his perception of who he was or what he wanted from the game. He enjoyed it. He loved it, and he put everything he had into the game. He was the captain of the team, so he could have, you know, you know, taken the easy way out. He could have slacked. He could have chilled. He could have just, you know, laid back. And once he had all those things, he could have just been like, "All right, man, I ain't gonna go do this extra batting practice. I ain't gonna go field extra balls. I ain't showing up early to, to, to spring training. I'll come, you know, two weeks before before the regular season starts and do all that." But he was always one of the first people there, one of the last people to leave, you know. I remember even at the house, when he came home in the offseason, he had a, a batting thing in the backyard. He was out there throwing the ball at me mad hard, trying to get me to, you know, push him. So, you know, I just saw the level of commitment very early on of what it took to be successful at these levels. Because I also saw the other side of it, where my dad would be talking to these guys and say, you need to commit at this level, you need to be here when I'm here. Because he was the captain trying to, you know, bring the young guys along. And a lot of those young guys would be like, all right, I'm going to come. But then the few that wouldn't, I would see how quickly they would just kind of fade away and they wouldn't ever amount to anything. So I saw early on at the age of four, five, six, seven, growing up within the dugout, like you said, seeing those guys who put the work in that were able to attain some level of, you know, success and be able to, you know, maintain and, and head in the right direction versus the guys who wouldn't. So I think that was probably the biggest advantage of, you know, growing up in that atmosphere with my father being who he was and, um, regardless of sport being able to take the the small things away from it that that you need to take in order to be able to sustain a, a level of success in this sports world
0: what are what are some of the disadvantages I guess because you know obviously people talk about that but what's some of like the cons to that
2: Um, I mean I will say just the cons are is like you gotta build you gotta have a, you gotta have tough skin early on because everybody gonna talk about you just cause they just cause mm-hmm. you know you I grew up with you know a very famous father in the city that you know he was born in cincinnati ohio i was born in cincinnati ohio he played for cincinnati my mom's from cincinnati his whole family from cincinnati so they were kind of like they were kind of like the cosby family in cincinnati like we grew up and it was just hella people always on you know at the mall people all you know surrounding us you know leaving the games as a you know, kid, people banging on you on the window like you don't really understand because you don't understand who your dad is at that age, at you know, four, three, four years old. But seeing it um, and not really understanding why your dad's never home, you know, you then eventually, you know, we moved to, to Florida away from from my dad because that that atmosphere was yeah. so crazy that he was just he didn't feel comfortable us, us being there. he didn't want us to go to school. There, because he knew all the things that could potentially happen. So I think that's probably the biggest disadvantage that that there was, just not being able to spend the time that you would want to spend with your dad. That's doing all these great things, and um, I would say that's probably probably the biggest disadvantage. Because other than that, you know, if you get if you build tough skin and you don't let like the stupid comments of ah, you know, when you when I'm nine years old, ten years old, and I'm cooking, people are like ah, oh, you only doing that because your daddy got money and he paying for the trainers and da da da. Like, but he ain't pay them to let me cook you, so nah, <laughs> what well, then? So, you know, I think that. <laughs> so, I think that's just kind of like the skin that you kind of got to grow early on, and uh, if you build that, then I think you know, it's kind of you know easy going from then on out. See, is it was
0: it was it? See, my dad, my dad, he's a, he's in finance, and this dude used to get on my nerves when we would be have me in the gym, talk just trying to push me, talking about you got to do this, you know what I'm saying? You know how dad they push yeah. you. So I can't only imagine how annoying having a professional athlete as a that, because he probably, he probably on your ass at oh, all Oh, yeah, time. he was
2: on me. <laughs> it didn't matter what sport it was, he was on me. He, but, I mean, it was a, it was a good thing because, yeah. you know, it, it taught me early on. Like, I remember playing football when I was 8 years old and <laughs> tackle football. And one time, I was always fast. One time I got rocked. I was <laughs> just, just completely rocked. I was playing up because I wanted to play. I got rocked, and I was on the sideline. I was laying there crying. He came down there. He was like, you all right? I'm like, yeah, I'm He He's like, he like grabbed my arm. He was like, anything broke? He like, I'm like, ah, no, nah, I don't think so. He's like, can you get up? I was like, yeah. I think he was like, all right, try. And I was like, yeah, I did like a little little movement, trying to act like I was a little more hurt. Man took my face mask like this. Grabbed it and boom, slammed me back into the ground. like, don't you ever let nobody hit you like that again, though, don't you? I embarrassed me. I'm like, damn, bro, my bad. <laughs> I got rocked. You worried by everybody else. <laughs> so I think the, just those kind of like little lessons early on, bro. It's just like you you remember those things so well that's like you know, even he was my basketball coach from probably like ten to thirteen, and he was just all he was just like competitive. He was just like defense first, defense, defense, defense. And he was the coach, so he would I wouldn't be playing defense or so my man was scoring me, would score on me. He'll put me on the bench for like two quarters and put me back in LA. So just like little things that, you know, he he did for a reason. I didn't really understand it then, but you know, later on as I've grown up and I've kinda understood how all this stuff worked, now I understand the lessons and the values that he tried to implement early through sports, uh, that kind of helped me, you know, become whoever whoever I've become. So but it was it was it was crazy sometimes.
0: <laughs> so hypothetical for y'all, if Shane Larkin, same person, doesn't have Barry Larkin as the daddy, someone else as a dad, or Steph Curry got I don't know, not Dell Curry as a dad, is it the same same outcome? You know what I'm saying? You know i Do you, do you get the same? Does there is is that is that like the the link? Other than obviously a talent, but is that how important is that? I guess is what I'm trying to ask.
2: Um, I mean, that's a, that's a tough question, dog. I mean, I don't know how, yeah, that's why I asked it, you know. how you can even, <laughs> it's like, I, I mean, I think if you, if you genuinely have the passion, you know, which i you know, I've always loved basketball. I always had the passion for it. And even when he wasn't pushing me to be, you know, get extra shots or anything, I was the one out there doing my thing. I was always out there when he was doing his thing and playing baseball in Cincinnati. I was still at the crib getting shots up until my mama told me dinner was ready. So I was still – I still loved it so much that I think I would have had the time and the passion to to be able to push myself to reach some level. I don't know if I would have, you know, reached the level that I reached because, you know, a lot of that comes from the values and things that I learned from my dad early on. But, you know, I think I would have still had the passion in order to push myself individually to, you know, whatever heights I would have have been able to reach. But same level, I mean – Hypothetically I don't even know. So,
0: <laughs> so What do you think Steph, Steph is Steph without Del? Nah. what you think?
1: I mean, I think I think when uh when you get to that level, I mean there's I mean part of it is skill, part of it is, you know, uh being pushed, but I think a lot of it is just your personality and your mentality. You know what I mean? Yeah. The, uh you know, a lot of guys that reach like the higher levels of any sport. It's a mentality thing, man. That you know, you whether you're an alpha or you just super disciplined or you just get hyper focused. Um, so I think that uh, I think that's more the key determinant. Then um, obviously having a a dad that's played professional sports, man, you learn like a lot of shortcuts and you have access to different things that I think do help also. So maybe you won't maximize your potential, but I think the majority of that potential is just, you know, what's between the ears and just
0: how you are, you know, as a person. Yeah. Yeah probably agree with that like, that's just in you i mean i guess part of that is uh, you know i think most dads like you said kind of bring that quality to to their kids you know what i'm saying put that toughness in them a lot of them at least um but yeah the, the shortcuts thing is obviously a big thing but just like you said putting those qualities of working hard and, and loving something regardless whether you there's got- a lot of
1: trash hall of fame sons out there there's a lot of them out there now <laughs> trash Trash, yes, trash.
2: <laughs> Who
0: trash? I mean, Who trash?
2: I mean the goats so and nah, who's nah, the goat back I, mean, I knew you
0: was good. they not trash though. They
2: d one they d1 basketball. <laughs> look, look at that was they though? What is they <laughs> <laughs> This is no disrespect, but was they gonna come on? Hey, now? listen,
0: listen. That's that's hella disrespectful. <laughs> ah. yeah. No, yeah, I'm fucking with you. No, I mean they wasn't look, look, Marcus was solid. Marcus was solid. One of them was cool. One of them was all right. The other one was at Illinois. You you a D one basketball player. You alright.
2: Did in the he get a, in the Big a Ten, biggest scholarship
0: to Illinois. Yeah, look, look, he investigating that. I don't know. <laughs> nah, I'm, I'm being serious. It, I was I thinking one of them was a walk on. Nah, I, I think don't know. I think he I was, thought, was a I thought one captain. was a walk on. Dog. I think he was at Illinois. Nah, was not Marcus is
2: lefty,
0: right? <laughs> Marcus is lefty, right? Nah, the other one. Marcus was the one with bounce. He had some hop. Mm. Who played at UCF? Marcus. He was lefty. Yeah, I think Marcus played. Was okay, so,
2: okay, yeah, he was all right. He yeah, was all right. The J- other J- one was shorter. Wasn't he yeah, shorter? He was
0: small. he was at. He was at Illinois. Bro, he walked on at
2: Illinois, bro. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way he had a scholarship, dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ain't, ain't no, no disrespect. disrespect. <laughs> yeah. No disrespect. You, know you don't yeah, even I know I don't his name. Hey,
0: is is, is, right. is, is you don't is even Jeff- know his name. That's It's not- Jeffrey. <laughs> Talking about the other, <laughs> 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 the other one. It's Jeffrey. It's Jeffrey, yo. I think. I know he was number 13 though.
2: I know that. Man. Uh, man. You said he was at he was at Illinois when you was at Wisconsin? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He got in the game. <laughs> couple times. Yeah, he was out there. He was out there.
1: When I was was, was at Stanford, Lil' Romeo got in the game, too. But he was a a goddamn (laughs) walk-on. He was a goddamn walk-on. His high school
2: team was cold, though. Yeah, Lil' hey, Romeo. Romeo high school team was called Demar. Hey, AU, hey, AAU team or high school LA. team did
0: they go to high school together too
2: AAU
0: AAU I know they was they solid was AAU they
2: yeah, was yeah, they I'm
0: was solid cool. De-
1: Demar brought his black ass
0: to USC as well hey he was, you know he I, right I, I, almost, I almost forgot too hold on you said that people said y'all was like the, you was like the Cosby family in Cincinnati yeah that's who you look like you look like Alvin <laughs> 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 hey, I, got no, <laughs> I got
2: no. got no comment, hey, man. Man. Hey, <laughs>
0: man. We got edited. We, we got to we got no put that comment. side by side one time for the for the people, man. <laughs> there
2: is no comment, man.
0: <laughs> you ain't got nothing.
2: All right. <laughs> I ain't got none for you, bro. Hey, bro.
0: <laughs> but we, we we got a couple more. We gonna let you up out of here, man. We gonna backtrack a little bit, just to the continuity right. continuity piece we was talking about. To be able to get your take, um, and obviously going from you know you had no continuity like you said in the NBA, twenty five guys playing open gym, to having, you know the continuity you had in, in FS. But how? players always get labeled as bust, whether you're the two pick, the thirtieth pick, whatever.
2: Right.
0: At, at what point should organizations get labeled as busts? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? For organizations? For not and maybe bust ain't the right word, but what accountability does the organization have when like the Kings, for instance, you can only call so many people bust before yeah. you look at the people responsible for the development, yeah. you know?
2: No, true. I mean, it's tough. It's a tough thing because there's a lot of different pressures from different angles when you when you at that level to win. You know, you want your picks to work out. Sometimes you don't give them enough time, and then you just, They get labeled in their second year. Ah, guys, a bust. Get rid of him. When he probably hasn't even figured it out yet. Some people take you know four or five years to figure it out. Some people figure it out week one. So it just is like, I think with a lot of these a lot of these organizations, I think you gotta allow. You know, kids, especially like eighteen year old kids, dog. Like eighteen <laughs> year old kid, by the time they're twenty one and their third year, they ain't averaging eighteen and ten like you expect them to. Or you call them a bust, like the man's still not even anywhere close to his prime. He got five six years before he's in his prime. So I think a lot of the times they just give up on kids too early, um, which it's a business, and there's always gonna be a new kid coming in the next year because there's always a draft. So you know, it's tough to find that that opportunity, but like you said I mean these certain organizations have have you know been kind of pits for for guys that have have been drafted to these locations and you know a lot of times it's a lot of roster turnover I don't know Sacramento's had new coaches like every two years they haven't really found a a face of that franchise who's allowed them to kind of you know use these guys and grow and I know this De'Aaron Fox has, has been there for a few years and I think he's a a really good player, and I know they're trying to put pieces around him now. I think this Davion Mitchell's a good guy, so hopefully, you know, they start trending in the right direction. But I think the most important thing is is that, you know, I think a lot of teams don't give guys enough time to to kind of grow into their own. And I think, I mean, for me, I've only spent two years consecutively in two different places in my career. In college, I was in University of Miami for two years, and in that second year I kind of, you know, exploded and became who I was. And then my first year with FS it was solid. But then the second year is when I exploded, average 23 on 55, 50, 90-something shooting. And I think once you find that comfortability and you find, you know, that situation where you're comfortable and you feel like you can be yourself and you kind of being yourself works within what the organization or whatever the club wants to do and what the coach wants to do, that's when you really see guys kind of, you know, turn into what they, their best selves are. And I think a lot of the times clubs don't give or clubs, organizations, franchises don't give guys that opportunity or the fit isn't right with the people around them. And I think if more people allowed teams to have time and, and patience to for these guys to grow into who they could, then a lot of these guys wouldn't necessarily be bust or, or whatever the case may be. But, I mean, we're sitting here from this side of it, speaking on this side, when we don't have the pressures of the owners and the, all these people in your ear like, you drafted this dude six in the draft. is his third year. He still can't shoot forty percent from three. What the hell y'all doing? So then it's like, all right, well, let's move him on and let's bring in the next kid and see if he works out magically. So, you know, it's, it's a, it's a. I mean, depending on what side of the the line you're standing on, it's definitely different. But um, I think time and patience, situation, opportunity are all things that go into you know the success of individuals in each and every situation, regardless if you're in Europe or NBA or, or wherever. So it's just, it's just tough, tough, tough world. Basketball is not. It's a dirty game. Man, <laughs> it is not for the the faint of heart, boy. It should get very real very quickly. It's vicious. So, yeah. What you think, man, Ant? Nah, it's a,
1: man, um – I think uh, it's, it's tough to say, man. Every situation is different, especially with the players. I mean, some guys, you know, they get the success, they stop working. Um, you know, it's, it, and then also, it, it also depends on the culture, you know, the vets that are there, you know, and, you know, there's a lot of things, there's a lot of things surrounding that situation that it's tough to point the finger directly at the player or point the finger directly at the organization. Um, I think you know the solution is the organizations that are drafting these kids just got to do their homework, man. You got to do their homework and make sure that this player that you're drafting fits in with the culture, with the uh, w- with the guys in the locker room, and et cetera, et cetera. And even that's hard because then a trade comes across your desk and you got to shuffle some guys around because you want right. to take this risk. So right. that changes the culture. So I don't know. There's just a lot of moving pieces in basketball.
0: It's uh, it's hard to say man i think i think they should change it up they should let the players start doing their homework let them pick their teams man what you mean why well, i got why well, i got to be a 18 year old going to sacramento when i know y'all are trash and i know you about to set me up for failure man that's the, like that's that's ridiculous. Like, back there, should, there should be some cities an 18-year-old can't like, go. Man, <laughs> you can't like, draft him there. Like, well, it's <laughs> crazy. I mean, when I, when I was in France, I had, you know, both years in France, I had Sekou Demboya and then I had Teo Maladon. And it's like these GMs, you know I mean? Shane, know how it is, obviously, from from getting uh, Aunt U2. But they, they come to you and they're like, oh, like, you know, what's their strengths? What's their weaknesses? Right. It's like Yadi. And I'm going to tell you exactly what their strengths and weaknesses is because I just spent the last seven, eight months every day with this kid kicking it with him, playing with him. And it's like, listen, he's not going to be a good fit for your organization. He needs to go here, and this is where he's going to thrive. And then they're going to go draft the motherfucker anyway and then be surprised three years later when he flops. Like, all right, well, fuck me then, I guess. Like, damn. (laughs) I mean, not that my word is anything like is the holy grail, but it's just like, what you asking for then? Right. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So... I think sure. they should they should really start allowing and I don't know what that would look like. I'm just spitballing, but they should really start allowing these kids to choose their teams themselves. Just let them be free agents. <laughs> and come, to, and come to I a mean arena. technically if
2: you go undrafted you're a free agent. Yeah, yeah, but don't nobody want to be in that boat neither. <laughs> yeah, a lot of the time it's like even better to go second round, bro. Yeah, like the top a lot end, of the times it's time better round. to go second Find round. Find a better fit. Yeah. Yeah, because you can find a better fit. You control what kind of deal you sign. If you want to do two years, three years, or you can do one year, fully guaranteed, next year, team option, playoffs. Like There's a lot of flexibility in that second round, but obviously getting the guaranteed money in the first round pick is, is obviously what you want, and hopefully the situation works out. But you see a lot of guys in the second round that get to you know kind of bounce around early on, and then they find a fit, and then it's like, all right, and then he's making... You know, he's making a four-year 100 before the guy on the the first-round pick is getting out of his first deal. Mm-hmm. So, but like you said, it's all opportunity, dog. It's like, if you can hoop, you can hoop. And you're going to find somewhere where you can hoop at. But a lot of it is opportunity and politics and little bullshit that goes into it that, health. you know, a lot of people don't see from the outside. Yeah, health. health. A lot of things people don't under understand that really go into this whole whole basketball thing that... You know, people just see the final product and say, "Oh, this guy can play, this guy can't play." You see highlights on Swiss culture, and be like, "Oh, this guy should be in the league, or, <laughs> this guy shouldn't." Now, you know, they just—it's like it's a lot of surface level shit that people see that don't really understand all the things that's shuffling underneath the table that that go into it. But I mean, it's part—it's part of the business. Which, if you were part of it and you've been in it, like y'all have seen it, it's, yeah. it's more than just can you play? Because yeah, a lot yeah. of people could play, bro. No, question
0: that's that's well, kind of do, the dope part the dope part about podcast too is you try and bring that stuff to life you know what i'm saying and we switch cultures which y'all got mm-hmm. going on over there so just try and bring those stories out bring them to life so we'll go ahead you got the last segment yeah
1: yeah last segment man as we wrap up here paycheck rain check somebody's paycheck is taking a rain check and uh today's highlight is jordy B- Mayu, the uh the CEO of EuroLeague got his walking papers and uh and now EuroLeague yeah, is, a, is I guess is on the is on the search for a successor. Um uh, so my question is should EuroLeague consider a former player to step in as CEO or the commissioner? Um I guess he'd be the equivalent to the commissioner of the league
2: um in EuroLeague. I think so. I mean, I think that's the best the best way to get the best product out of you know, what the League is and what it stands for. Obviously, Georgie did a great job of creating a, a product that has gotten to the level where it is now. But I think in order to push the push the, the league to new heights, I think you should have somebody who's been on this side of it, who's understood the, the little things that happen behind the scenes, all the, the BS that you got to deal with as a player, the things that you wish, sitting here as a player right now today, I wish this would happen, or I wish that could happen. And if I had a position of power, maybe I could push that upon the owners and say, Different things or give different ideas or put different things on the table that they may, you know, take a hit at. Um, so I think so. I think somebody like Tony Parker, even though he's an owner in Asville, I think he has a lot of good ideas that I know I've had, you know, through through people I've had conversations with him that he has ideas for what he thinks the yearly can be and how he wants to take it to you know, more of that NBA concept. Um, and it just depends on, like, you know, Pau Gasol is obviously over here. He obviously has a lot of experience in both both uh, both continents, NBA, Eurobasket, all those things. So I definitely think somebody that is has played and, and understands what it takes to be a player. And now, you know, he's had success being, you know, I don't know what's his exact role. Does he Is he the owner
0: of Asville now? or Tony,
2: yeah. Is he the president? Yeah, president, president, owner. Yeah, yeah. so. Yeah, so I think he, you know, he understands kind of both sides of the spectrum. So to be able to put him in a position where, you know, I don't know if he could still own or be the president of ASWA and take on that position. But I think the ideas that he, is, he has had and the things that I've heard that he wants to do, he would be somebody that uh, could definitely be, you know, influential in, in pushing this, this league to new heights.
0: Man, uh, the year—the year I—I the year sp- I, I agree. Tony would be—Tony be a great candidate. Uh, the year I spent in Aswell, man, he just the way things were run was super, yeah, super forward. Like it was like just the little things, you know what I'm saying? Like I think my mom had uh, had cancer that year, so he allowed me to stay home in preseason for three months. You know what I'm saying? Right. He to just you know, right. and, that, and that overseas that that stuff matters. You know what I'm saying? That stuff matters a lot. Right. You know, we had a coach, right. Montenegrin coach. He wasn't rolling. Like he was like, nah, you going for a week. And Tony was like, nah, right. you're good. You know what I'm saying? So um Fact. yeah, I think I mean I don't I don't know if it needs to be a player. If it's a player, they need to really just hire me, because I'm gonna have that shit together. You know what I'm saying? And <laughs> <laughs> you know I got plenty of ideas too, you know what I'm saying? Former player. But nah, um I, it, it doesn't if I don't think it needs to be a player. I think it would be dope. Um, I think as long as it's someone who's kind of a creative and forward-thinking person um, inter- from right. from business entertainment side because I think the only way right. – it, it I struggle with this topic because I think the only way to grow basketball is to make it entertainment. But when you make it entertainment, you, do, you lose some of that purity of the game, right? You know what I'm saying? Right. And I don't know if y'all watch right. Winning Time and all that, but for the NBA, it was – you look at the past, and basketball culture kind of does move west to east. And, it, you know, right. Jerry Buss and – and david stern and all these people come in and kind of changing the the culture of the nba so i think whoever it is has to has to be something along those lines you know to make the game entertaining make the make your kind of a fanfare thing but then at the same right. time are european fans ready for that because european fans really do love right. the period of game period of the game
2: correct so correct.
0: It's that's fine a fine line. It's a fine line, man. Like you said, that's what people is is you know fans, people looking at the, from outside in. I mean, there's stuff we don't even understand, right? So for for people, right. You know, looking in, they definitely don't get it. So yeah.
1: it's a fact. It's definitely a fact, man. I think. Uh, I don't know. I think TP sounds like a like a good candidate. I think somebody that has the experience of the NBA and Euroleague or European basketball in general, I think will be best because the NBA has done a phenomenal job in growing that league and increasing increasing the market value, you know what I mean? You good? <laughs> don't look at me, Wisconsin. Yeah. Wisconsin, are you good, Wisconsin? <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: Wisconsin, don't look at me like that. all
0: right? don't look at me like hey, that. Hey, this this, this right, the last so. episode. Before you finish, we gonna stop bringing up this Minnesota, Wisconsin stuff. You you went to Stanford, huh? <laughs> You, you had more white kids on the team than we did. We was blacker than y'all. We was blacker than y'all. That ain't an accomplishment.
1: <laughs> like, I'm just letting you know. I'm just letting you know. Until it was four, it I was see,
0: it was three to two and a half. Like,
1: till I see the, <laughs> till I see the back row of that crayon box on y'all <laughs> roster, I don't want to hear nothing from Wisconsin. All right, what shade what
0: shade what shade is? You caught it you whole or you half?
2: Yeah, well, I'm half, man. You have I gotta be. Yeah, gotta be.
0: <laughs> all right, finish, finish, <laughs> yo, finish, <laughs> your, uh, <laughs> Nah, but
1: I'm just saying, like the NBA's done a great job, you know, as far as marketing the league, creating a you know, a bunch of revenue, you know, for the league, for the teams, for the players. And I think that that's, that's kind of what, you know, Europe needs or EuroLeague needs, you know, to become, you know, uh, a global power, you know what I mean? And they, they have the talent, they have the history, they got the tradition. I think it's just all on the marketing side in, in EuroLeague. So whether it's uh, somebody that's, uh, like you said, somebody that's just a creative and, and forward-thinking um, or just a player that has seen, you know, both sides, I think. Something something's gotta change.
0: Yeah. No doubt. No doubt, man. That's uh I mean shoot, that just goes back. First thing, first thing I would do is definitely break them domestic leagues off from, from the Euro League. <laughs> <laughs> So that would be the first. first I mean, domestically it could stay, but that would be the first order of business, man. Definitely be the first order of business.
1: Yeah, all right. you be at that press conference. Get your hand on my
0: pocket. It'll be over. They're like, man, this show is fucked up. When they did a little Jordan, man. But they, but they gonna remember me though. I'll tell you that much. That's my legacy. If that's my legacy, that's they my go. legacy. <laughs> I'm You're gonna be the first commissioner to get stoned on EuroLeague TV. <laughs> yeah, but, but yeah. 50 years from now, they gonna be like, "Damn, Jordan Taylor." When they break off financing, be like, "You know who started this shit? <laughs> Jordan Taylor from Wisconsin. <laughs> hey, they can do the deal." <laughs> hey, <laughs> man. But listen, Shane, we appreciate you greatly for coming on, man. I enjoyed the conversation. Uh, it's beautiful to have a, a legend such as yourself on our platform, and uh good luck with the with the domestic league playoffs, and, uh, <laughs> you know, and continue success to you, man. Only one
2: going give me I can't know. call y'all now, even if I hit your phone, that won't get me home. Seen so many different times these niggas did me wrong, so that's the reason that I did this
0: song. We was kids, used to play on the step A couple years later, we framed with the angel of death I was 11 years old, I got my hands on the-